The first scripture reading is from Titus, chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all, training us to renounce impiety and worldly passions, and in the present age to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly, while we wait for the blessed hope and the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is he who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. May God grant a blessing to the reading and hearing of this word. Well, our gospel lesson this morning is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Let's continue to listen for God's word for us on this Christmas Eve. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. See, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and singing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. May God bless this reading as well to our hearing today. Will you join me now in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Holy God, in the midst of the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season, we pause now, and we ask that you would speak, for your people have come to hear your word this day. Diminish me so that you may show forth your glory in this place. Take my words and transform them that they may be your word for us, a word of encouragement and hope and peace at a time when we need it most. Now may the words of my mouth and indeed the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Despite the book that we just read, in Bethlehem there is no uproar this year. A year ago, the city of Bethlehem, which is located in the west bank of Palestine was lit up with Christmas lights, there were fireworks shows, there was a huge pine tree decorated in the central square of the city right next to the Church of the Nativity, and the streets were filled with people from all over the world who come to Bethlehem to celebrate Christmas in the place where Christ was born. But this year the square is empty, and the hotels are empty, and the shops normally bursting with trinkets and souvenirs, are empty. Even the churches, full of pilgrims every other year, this year they are sparsely populated. There's no uproar, no joyous celebration, only a somber stillness that hangs over the city. 
One woman who was interviewed by Al Jazeera television outside the Church of the Nativity said that her hopes had been buried with her sister in the rubble of the Orthodox Church in Gaza, which was bombed on October 19th by the Israeli military. Her story was typical of many people in the West Bank who have relatives in Gaza, who have seen their families destroyed in this war. It's why the Reverend Munter Isaac, who is the pastor of the Evangelical Lutheran Christmas Church in Bethlehem, decided this year that he would set up a nativity scene in his church a little differently. You can see the picture of it on the front of your bulletin there. Rather than the peaceful crash where the Christ child lies in the manger, cozy and warm, the Christ child appears amidst rubble in the Bethlehem church. Real rubble taken from bombed out buildings. His parents and the shepherds and the magi, the little figurines, they're arrayed like a search party, searching through the debris, like so many search parties in Gaza and the West Bank who hope to find a loved one still clinging to life. Reverend Isaac says that they they lit a single candle near the head of the Christ child on top of this pile of rubble to remind people that there is still hope for peace, even a small glimmer of hope. But so many in Bethlehem and in Israel and all around this world who witness devastation and war and violence, so many think that hope is lost. Some here in the United States have suggested that this year, in solidarity with the people of Israel and Palestine, that churches should not light the candle of peace on their Advent wreaths and its absence, a reminder that there is no peace in the world right now. And of course, there's a version of this same sentiment that strikes a little closer to home. Even if we may not be under the threat of imminent violence, life has a way of beating the hopes and dreams out of us so that the joy of the Christmas season does not find a place in our hearts. Whether it's an unexpected illness or the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, whatever it may be, we may not know what it is like to flee from our homes for fear of falling missiles, but we know what it is like to hurt and to lose hope. And so we all come into this morning bearing whatever burdens life has given us. And the message that the world would have you hear is either, smush all that down, don't let anyone see it, this is a season for merriment, stop being such a downer. Maybe that's one message you might hear. Another would tell you that, You can feel your pain, you can feel your hurts, but ultimately, in the end, you will overcome by the strength of your character. There's this sense in our time that the world will right itself. Markets will correct themselves and prices and the cost of living will go down. Justice will be done and crimes will be met with law and order. That that the pain we feel in our hearts and in our bodies can be cured by medication by good diet and exercise, all these things, all of this is within our power to fix the problems of the world. That's the story we hear everywhere else. But on Christmas, we hear a different story. And that story is hidden away in the words of the angel that we heard just a moment ago. 
There's a hidden message in there that I want to decode with you this morning. You see, the Greek word that we have translated in our text as good news is evangelion. It's what we get the word evangelism or evangelist from. Evangelicals, uh, you know, take this term and make it their own. Today, we typically associate the word evangelion with Christianity, with the church, with religion. But in the time of the Bible, the word evangelion actually referred to something very different. When the Roman Empire would send their armies out to conquer a new land, they would send messengers back to provincial capitals or to Rome itself to convey news of how the campaign was going. They would go back to Rome, and if they were winning the battle, they would bring good news. Evangelion. The Evangelion of great joy was typically understood in those days to indicate the benefit of the rich and the powerful, the expansion of empire, the conquest by violence of new lands and new resources. That's what Evangelion normally meant to people in that time. But in that field that night, the Evangelion was not for the privileged few. The angel says this good news is for all people. The good news of Christ is good news for all people, not the wealthy and the powerful alone, but the poor and the impoverished, the lonely and the marginalized, the victimized and the hurting. The good news of Christ is for Bethlehem and the West Bank and even for loud babies in church. The angel brings news of a different sort of victory, delivered by a different sort of savior. The good news for the downtrodden is that God loves this world so much that God does not stand aloof in judgment of it, but instead comes down to be here with us. God gives salvation to all, not because we are so good that we somehow earned it, but because God is so good and God's grace is so rich that it is for all and for us. The good news of Christmas is that God's grace comes in the flesh to transform our burdens into blessings, just as that pile of rubble in that church in Bethlehem was transformed by the light of Christ into a symbol of hope in a hopeless place. That's what Christmas is really about. Not the uproar in Bethlehem but about the way God's grace sneaks into the world in unlikely ways to change things, to transform things, to make things new. The world may tell you that your burdens and your pains are temporary and fleeting, but God knows that the hurts that hurt the most, the deaths we suffer in life and at its end, those cannot be overcome by a quick fix or a life hack. In the end, our hearts are forever restless, until they find rest in union with God. And so this morning I hasten to tell you as I close that the blessed union of God and humankind is real and alive, and it is good news of great joy, which is for all people. It is a peace that surpasses all understanding that has been born into this world that will bless us in our burdens so that we may in turn become a blessing to others and theirs. And if you don't just want to hear those words, but to really feel them take hold of your spirit, then in a moment, I would encourage you to rise in body or in spirit 
and to sing with your whole heart, with this whole congregation and with the whole heavenly host, to sing together that chorus that has been proclaimed down through the ages. Glory to the newborn King. Glory, glory in the highest. Amen.